Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. First thing to say is it's the sixth anniversary of the podcast. We started in October 2015, uh, innocent times. This was before Brexit, before Donald Trump, and indeed before the Home Nation series, which began the year after. And uh, it was announced as a 10-year deal in 2016. So we're halfway through. We've had the first five years, and uh, the next five years, well, they're already underway because they've had to qualify for the first three, but the, the final stages of the Northern Ireland Open is next week. A lot of people are looking forward to it. It's been a long time since the British Open. And uh, myself and Neil Folds, we've done every day at the Home Nation so far. So we're going to go through some of our favourite memories. We've each picked a top five uh, favourite moments, memories of the Home Nations. And that's the subject of this week's podcast. How are you, Neil? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Dave. Um, it's been a strange uh, start to the season, if you can call it that, really, with all that in August that we enjoyed and, you know, sort of trip feeding a few qualifiers. But hopefully now we're up and running. Absolutely. As I say, I think there's going to be a lot of interest uh, next week. People uh, having had the, the sort of full start almost this season, now looking forward to what will be a very busy time, certainly into Christmas. Just one thing to say, we've had some emails. I'll deal with them next week because I want to devote this week to this uh, home nations as I say we're halfway through so we've had 20 tournaments so there's some great matches very memorable finals indeed and uh, well I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a curveball at you straight away here Neil okay who do you think has won the most matches in the home nation series well um well immediately I would say Judd Trump but I, I'm, Correct. I don't that sounds obvious <laughs> no that's well it's obvious because it's right because Judd Trump yes yeah, 79, okay. 79 matches he's won Ronnie O'Sullivan 77 Top five is made up of John Higgins, Mark Selby and Karen Wilson. So I think when, the, when it was announced and the best of sevens were announced, a lot of people thought, well, it'll be a lottery and you'll get all sorts of surprise winners. That's the top five match winners. Trump, O'Sullivan, Higgins, Selby, Wilson, five top, top players. Most titles, Judd Trump as well with four. Of course, three of them in the same event, the Northern Ireland Open. Mark Selby's won three. The two of the multiple winners, Bingham and Robertson. Uh, Trump and O'Sullivan have each been in six finals because Ronnie's only actually won one uh, Home Nations title. Centuries, O'Sullivan is top of that, 84. He's had, Judd Trump's had 80. So the top players, as with any format, have come to the four. We've only had four winners from outside the top 16. 
Leanne Wembo, Mark King, of course, Jordan Brown, and also Neil Robertson. When he won the Scottish Open, he was actually he just dropped out the just dropped out the top sixteen, won that, got back in. So really, I mean, you know, you think of Neil obviously as a, as a top sixteen player. Really, that, there haven't been that many upsets. We, we might get onto Jordan Brown later, but uh, it's been it's been memorable, hasn't it? And what's been good, Neil, I think, is it's taken the game to all four corners of the traditional UK base. We know that Belfast and Northern Ireland has a great heritage. Wales does, Scotland does. It's been good for fans in those parts of the, of the country, hasn't it, to see live snooker? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when we started, as you say, it was a 10-year deal and it, it feels like forever 10 years away, but we are halfway through and it's been great. You know, I've enjoyed it. The only thing you didn't mention there amongst all those stats, which I, I looked up, and you know I'm a little bit obsessed by these, one, four, seven breaks. Hmm. And I often get these things wrong, but I wrote, scribbled some down. I think there's been 14, you know. And that does surprise me how many that is. So the quiz question is, who made the first one four seven um, at the own nations? I think I don't think there was one in the first one. I think there was one in Belfast. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, could, I, I can't. It was it wasn't Ronnie, was it? I know that. No, Alfie like did make one in the first one. Oh, Alfie made one in did. Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See? yeah. Um, no, I can still, so I can still the, hear him. I can still hear him celebrating. <laughs> there was a huge roar. No, I mean, there have been 14 of them. And wow. uh, I couldn't believe there have been that many. But you know, looking back, I, I remember quite a lot of them now. And, you know, John Higgins has made a, um, a couple of those along the way. So uh, there's been some great snooker, basically. I think my favourite was the one John made in Glasgow. He turned up thoroughly fed up about things. Broken rib. <laughs> Came out, made a maximum. Thank you very much. All's well with the world suddenly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, apparently he'd been given a bear hug, bear hug hadn't he? Um, I don't mm. know if you know that. I think that is common knowledge. It was uh, a bear hug from a former player, uh, which he was quite... Uh, Marcus Campbell, I think yeah. it was, wasn't it? There was the talk. And I, he was there that week and he shook my hand. He'd been having a couple of drinks. He no longer plays. And I, he nearly broke my bones in my fingers when he shook my hand. So he's a pretty rough individual. But uh, that was the reason for it, I think. And as you say, he looked a bit of a forlorn figure that day. The day before, he... he he made that one four seven. He um, he was sitting on the, on the edge of the the the, the uh, sofa, like just really struggling, injured. Sort of saying he's not enjoying it. The only reason he's playing is because it's in Scotland. Um, and then of course he comes out and makes a one four seven, which shows his class, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the other thing I think, which has been nice, it's another wrinkle on it, is the fact the trophies are named after the great players from those nations. So it gives it a sort yeah. of a, a throwback to history. Obviously, Steve Davis in England. Alex Siggins, Northern Ireland, Stephen Hendry, Scotland, Ray Rin, Wales. It's rather odd, though, this year, wasn't it? Hendry, because he's come back to play, playing in a tournament, uh, which is named after him. He still had to pre-qualify because he, he got quite heavily beaten by Alan Taylor, although the final stages are in Wales. So <laughs> kind of, yeah. it's kind of a head-scratch of that one, I think. It is a bit of a head-scratch. I'd like to see him compete in it, had it been in Scotland. But, uh, but anyway, maybe next year. Yeah, and the other thing, of course, is initially there was a £1 million bonus uh, announced if anyone won all four. And Leanne Wimbo winning the first one, that was great for him. But I think Barry Hearn probably slept easy because obviously that was his first title. It seemed very unlikely he would go and win uh, all four. Of course, it was it was discontinued, that bonus. And maybe, uh, again, Barry sleeping easily because, of course, last season, Judd Trump won the first two. Now, you could see him definitely winning all four. I don't think anyone really thought that prize would, would be won, but I, I guess it gave it a bit of uh, publicity, didn't it? Yeah, and the other time it was a little closer than we imagined was the year that Selby won the English in 2019, and then he won in Glasgow, did Mark, as well. But in between, he lost. He didn't get through. Judd won in, in Northern Ireland, as he always does. But if you remember the match he lost that year, 
um, it was against John Higgins where Mark Selby lost that match where he took over six minutes on the one shot. So, you know, had he won that match, he might have won it and he might have been in the position to have won the first three. So it was quite a little bit closer that year as well, if we remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, OK, well, let's let's get into it then. So, as I say, we, we don't know what each other has chosen. Top five memories, moments, whatever you want to call it. Um, personal recollections. And here's how it's going to work. So I will ask Neil to tell us he's number five. We're going from five down to one. Now, if that number five is also on my list, we'll wait until that position on my list to discuss it. So, Neil, what is your number five? OK, well, I have to start at the beginning. Um, Leanne Wenbo, the... 2016 English Open winner, the celebrations, everything that he did uh, in doing so that year, just the way that he, he hadn't even won the match he was celebrating. It was quite something. And uh, and Judd was very gracious. Of course, they were in the same team. Then. I'm not sure whether they still are, but Judd was very gracious in defeat. And we realised that they were quite difficult to win these events. And there were a lot better players than maybe the top 16 or 20 players. And yeah, Wenbo was brilliant that year. And I just loved the way he enjoyed the moment. Yeah, it's not on my list, although it got very close. I did consider it. Yeah, I was commentating on the, on the, on the end of it, and I just had a horrible feeling that he was going to get too excited because <laughs> he still had a couple of balls to part. I mean, OK, they were, in theory, easy, but, you know, with the adrenaline flowing, you could have seen that mm. backfiring massively, and it just was so happy that he got over the line because clearly, you know, I think it's nice to see someone that happy. Obviously, his first big win against a great player, Um and it's nice to see someone genuinely. I mean, he's an emotional character anyway, but you know, no one, no one could uh, feel that he wasn't happy about it. No, and the, the thing about that that uh, clearance in the end, he potted the blue, which meant that um, Judd needed a snooker. But the shot he played on the pink, I'll, I'll never forget it. He potted the pink into the right corner, and the cue ball. He nearly went. He went quite close to going off in, into the left corner <laughs> when he could have just rolled the pink. Anyone who looks that up again, you'll see what I mean. He, he did something he didn't need to do. The adrenaline was pumping. He could have potted the pink and, and gone it off, which would have been mm. horrendous. But he wasn't thinking any negative thoughts. And uh, he can be quite unstoppable. And, you know, maybe people thought he'd win quite a bit more after that. Perhaps it hasn't quite happened. Sort of player, I think, who, who naturally gets the crowd on the side because I think people relate to emotion. And, yeah, it was a great way to start the, the series. OK, well, my number five, I don't know whether... I'll, let's see if this is on your list or not. It was the... Final of the 2017 Scottish Open between Neil Robertson and Chow Yu-Peng. Does that feature anywhere? Well, no. Funnily enough, that, that was my sixth yeah. choice. And I've just got yeah. it crossed out. It, it yeah. was a great um, great final, wasn't it? Quite One of the most nail-biting you could see, I should think, and a great comeback. Well, uh, this is the thing. I wasn't sure whether to choose it or not, because really it, it was a massive choke. You've got to say that. Chow Yu-Peng, 8-4 yeah. up, sailing towards the title, couldn't get over the line. He missed the black famously to win 9-7. Neil Robertson made a very good break to win the decider. And it was noticeable. I mean, Robertson was pumped up that day. He, second frame he won on the black, he gave it the fist. This is frame two, which just yeah. showed, you know, how determined he was. Maybe he felt he had something to prove because he just dropped out the top 16 after the UK Championship, was going to miss the Masters. He knew that. Um, I went to the post-final press conference and Chow was just in floods of tears. It's it inconsolable, which was not nice to see, obviously. But, you know, it just shows the, the pressure involved in big matches particularly if you've not won one that's the thing you know it's like Clive's great quote that the biggest gap in terms of titles is from zero to one and he just couldn't get over the line he was the better player probably that day but in the end experience told yeah and of course the other thing in that match I remember when match ball it looked in I remember Joe in commentary saying he's in mm. and I, I agreed with Joe I mean I might not have said it at the time but I thought he potted the ball 
into the left corner at the end. And um, the other thing about that, right, and, and a lot, there's people listening might not agree with me, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that you peng is back on the tour. Now, a lot of people will say, well, why would you say that? Because in his case, and we know that he's a reformed character now, he, he was suspended and it was nothing to do with that match. But he, he admitted his, his guilt and that helped him to move on. And now he's back on the tour. So he's made a mistake. He's been given a second chance. A lot of the people in the position that he has been in have denied it over the years that they've done wrong. I know we're moving away from that great moment, but I'm just what I'm trying to say is I'm glad he's back on the tour and playing again and playing well. Yeah, he actually just, he lost last week in the qualifiers. He's his first match in the Scottish Open since that final. Uh, he won't be going back. Well, he won't be going back to Glasgow. No one is because <laughs> it's in Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, listen, he, he looks he looks quite dangerous actually since he's come back and. Uh, yeah, I mean, he got to another final actually, didn't he, in Gibraltar? But um, that he must still think about that. That was such a such a collapse, really. Anyway, uh, so what's your number four? Let's see if it's on my list. Well, it, it was more. It was Ronnie O'Sullivan. It was his flawless performance in the final against Kyron in twenty seventeen. Ah, well, well, this actually is my number four. Amazingly, so um, yeah, yeah. Nine, he won nine two. And it was it was just the way that he pulled away. And now, obviously, I know that Ronnie is part of the Eurosport team, so people are going to say, "Oh, you was always going to mention Ronnie, given he's only won one of these, which is a bit much." But actually, I, I couldn't believe how well he played. He barely missed a pot all day. It's one of those rare days when any snooker player, everything comes together. And the evening session, well, he, he was even better than he was in the afternoon. In the three frames we saw, it was all over in a flash. And he just played incredible snooker. And it wouldn't have mattered who was sitting in that chair next to him, Kyron or anybody else. Um, they, they would have struggled. And I do wonder if... I know that Kyron has had some success over uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Not much, but some since then. I wonder if that was something that has lived with him ever since. You're playing someone that can play just like that, which was incredible. Yeah, I think... Absolutely, I agree. And I think... You know, we think of classic matches, obviously, as being close. You remember the, the close battles. Sometimes you just have to admire an individual performance. And, and this was an absolute masterclass, as you say. Pot success was like 98% for the day. He only missed very small number of balls, literally about five pots in the whole match. And it underlined, I think we all thought at the time, it underlined the fact that Ronnie O'Sullivan, at his best, is the best. Now, whether people agree with that now, four years on, is another matter. But then it was definitely the case. And it also illustrated you know, talk about rankings and who, who's ranked where, but the, the gap when someone like him plays his very best, Kyron Wilson's a terrific player. There's an early frame you probably should have won that he didn't. And as you say, after that, O'Sullivan pulled away. Um, just imperious, really. I mean, you you know, even though I'm sure everyone would have liked a close match, you sometimes just have to say, that's fantastic. Four centuries he made, and had it been first to, say, 18, he probably would have won like 18-4 or something. It just was unstoppable. Yeah. The other thing I remember about that is we went back to the hotel. We were staying fairly mm. uh, a little bit out of town and we sat and had a couple of drinks. And Ronnie um, put some money down for us, which was very kind of him. We all enjoyed a couple of drinks. And he sat down with a few of his good pals and they just drank tea all night. Yeah. Not one drink was Rock had. And Fair enough. And, Rock and roll. No, that's, that's <laughs> it. You know, and it was surprising. They were all drinking tea and uh, they were enjoying themselves just as much as we were. No wonder because uh, he played so well. Yeah, there's been a few of these uh, finals that have that have been uh, one-sided. Mark Selby won nine one against Gilbert. The one I remember as well was Sean Murphy, Karen Wilson in Wales. Uh, that was nine one, and I remember this because um, nothing to do with the snooker. They uh, it was seven one at the halfway stage, and they were worried obviously that if it finished early, they'd have to put some entertainment on for the crowd, some exhibition or something. So 
they came up to uh, the press officer, Robbie. Um, they said to him, can you devise a quiz um, that would be part of this exhibition? But they said, make, we don't want to show anyone up. Make it easy. You know, we just want to have a good time. Make the, que <laughs> make the questions really easy. So the first question he wrote, almost as a joke, but he went in the quiz. The first question, who is the host of the Graham Norton show? And the, the, contestant, <laughs> the contestant had no idea. <laughs> now, when they say the clue's in the question, the answer was in the question. <laughs> yeah, so but people was, would be suspicious, level. wouldn't they? They'd be suspicious. It sounds like a trick question, doesn't it? Unless you uh, know it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Who's the host of the Graham Norton show? Michael Parkinson. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we've both done our number four. Uh, so, number three. Uh, well, I'll go first here. Let's see if this is on your list. This is the most recent uh, Home Nations uh, event, the Welsh Open last season, Jordan Brown beating Ronnie O'Sullivan 9-8. It, it's on my list, but not at three. Okay, well, in that case then, what is your number three? Okay, well, mine is basically Judd winning the Northern Ireland again um, right. for the third year running. And I, I picked the third year because it was so easy for me to pick stuff that happened at the beginning. It's almost like a microcosm of snooker where, you know, 2016, 2017 are the, the, the golden years of the home nations. Like there's not like almost like there's no characters in the game anymore as there was <laughs> back then in four or five years ago. But I think they're the more memorable matches, some of the matches from back then, but Judd winning three years in a row, I thought was an incredible achievement. And even for the stats people to, to beat the same opponent by the same score mm. on three separate occasions. So I think, the fact that we went in Belfast, I thought perhaps it, it, Judd wouldn't win it this time. It would be different, but it was exactly the same uh, story. That they are actually, I've, if I've read the draw right, and it was, took me a bit of a while, I think they're in opposite halves again. So mm. it could happen again. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that this tournament is very important to Trump in his whole career. I think you can divide Judd Trump's career into three. Firstly, sort of the road to becoming a top player. Then he became a top player, but he was winning kind of erratically, wasn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't certainly dominating like he is now. But it all started at Northern Ireland back in 2018. He beat Ronnie 9-7. That started the incredible run that he's still on. I mean, the last three seasons, he's won 14 ranking events. He's won the Masters, Commonwealth number one, and all the rest of it, million pound. Uh, prize money, two years running, 100 centuries, and so on and so on. But it started there. And I think what was key to it was beating O'Sullivan. You know, O'Sullivan, top dog in the game, without doubt at that point. He beat O'Sullivan in front of a big crowd, quite a partisan crowd. You know, they like to get involved in Belfast, great atmosphere. He proved he could do it, and he's carried on doing it. And to beat, as you say, Ronnie, two years running after that as well, uh, incredible, really. Just the confidence he has. Clearly doesn't fear playing O'Sullivan. A lot of players do. He doesn't. Usually beats him now, most times they play. Um, so that first one, I know you picked the last one, but you really you could put all three into the same category. Uh, very important event. You know, maybe... Not everyone sees the Northern Ireland Open as one of the game's majors. Well, it is to Trump. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, he, he has got this knack of, of winning tournaments again. Of course, he won the German a couple of years running also. And I heard the um, the podcast involving JV the other day, and I, I can understand why he, he said he would have disappointed him. And well, I don't suppose, it, I don't think it was because JV didn't, hadn't seen anything other than the, the sort of big three events, if you like. But... You know, he has picked up all those titles. I mean, I don't agree with what John said on that one. I thought it was brilliant listening to him. But but he's picked up a lot of big tournaments now, and we have to look beyond these events, uh, like the UK and the World and the Masters, and that's a different argument. But he has shown plenty of willing in all these 
at Home Nations events. As you said, he's won the most matches. Uh, and even before he started winning them all, he was very consistent in the first and second year. So he relishes the short matches. He's getting through. There's one point I will make, though, and, and I think it's worth saying, him and Ronnie, they've won all those matches every year to get to the finals and, in this case, win three years in a row. He'll always be on the match table, though. And I know he's earned that right, but it is a big help if you're playing a series of players who have been playing on the outside table. So while it's a great achievement to keep winning, they've got an advantage in, in every match they play leading up to the, the quarterfinals. Well, certainly. I mean, in Milton Keynes during the lockdown, I mean, it was it was almost like Judd, it was like Joe Davis, you know, the 30s playing on his own table because he was just sort of every day he was, <laughs> play, he was playing on it. But as you say, you know, they've earned the right. They've earned the right to get there. I think in terms of what you're saying about JV, I, I agree. I think the point is that maybe he missed is that winning these other events has an effect on the big events. Would he have been so confident against O'Sullivan in the Masters final just a couple of months later had he not beaten him in this final? Um, so it definitely was the start of something and, and you know, it's continuing. And, and if they meet again in the final, I mean, my mind was already blown by the 397s. If it happens again, then, well, I don't know, I'll have, have a lie down or something. Um, no, that would be <laughs> no, Ter ter uh, uh, yeah, terrific achievement. And, um, you know, he, he, I think what it shows as well is that he does have that Davis Hendry mentality. He treats every tournament the same. He just wants to win them all. You know, we know what the, what the really big events are. Obviously, the World Championships is the real big one. But he wants to win everything, which is probably why he has won so much. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the fact that he's won Gibraltar a couple of times successive, in succession as well is, is quite an achievement, isn't it? Because that is best of seven all the way through. Mm. But he seems to just keep on going. And, uh, yeah, you know, he is, he's won the, the long events, but he, he's pretty adept at winning the shorter events too. OK, well, um, trying to just keep up where we are. I think So I'll move to my number two now. Um, now, this is the only non-final I've got in, in the list. It was a semi-final, in fact, that year in Belfast, 2018, between Ronnie O'Sullivan and Mark Selby. Does this feature on your list? No. OK, well, yeah. Ronnie I won six, the match. Yeah, Ronnie won 6-5. You and I were commentating. It was it was an absolutely thrilling match, this. Um, another chapter in perhaps Snooker's fiercest sort of modern rivalry. Uh, O'Sullivan made three centuries to lead 5-3. Selby did what he does, came back to force a decider. A lot of attention, pressure on the decider. Great crowd, great atmosphere in, in that waterfront hall. All came down to the last red. Selby fluked a snooker on it. O'Sullivan twice failed to escape. On his third attempt, he fluked the red into the middle, cleared up to win. And as I say, just the just fantastic atmosphere in the waterfront. It remains one of the best matches I think we've seen in the series. I remember Selby, uh, he couldn't get a flight home that night. He drowned his sorrows <laughs> with the Eurosport team, trying to put a brave face on it. But I could tell, you know, you could see how gutted he was. I think he'd sort of forgotten he'd fluked the snooker. I suppose you do in that situation. Um, but I think the fact that, that that was an example of who it was as well. It's those two. We know they're not best pals. There's a great rivalry between them. Neither fears the other. And just a really... I was trying to think of like what was probably the best non-final in the whole series. I would say probably that much. Yeah. No, it was a great match. I can remember the snooker as well. He, he was playing off three cushions. He was coming... It looked as if it wasn't... It was almost impossible to hit. He had to come so close to, I think it was the pink, to, to actually get the red off three cushions. And he was getting to the point where he couldn't afford to miss, I think, more than maybe one other time. And the, the fluke into the left middle was incredible. And, and then you've got to have sort of the, the, the backbone to go and mm. clear up, really, and not show any guilt, which he didn't do. Um, so, OK, you're right. Selby had a bit of luck, but the luck that Ronnie had was was by far the, 
the huger slice of, of luck of the two. But it was tremendous, tremendous match. You're right. And, uh, you know, it's one of those games where I should think Mark was bitterly disappointed at the time. Ronnie's record is interesting in, in this home nations. As I say, he's only won one title, but he's, he, he holds the record with Trump for most finals, six, second on the list of, of matches won. He, he, what, from what we've seen from him over the years, he, he sort of turns up early on in the tournament, not necessarily looking like he's that interested or, or, or maybe he's playing a very open game, let's put it that way. But that's good enough to beat most players early on. And then, obviously, when it gets to the business end, he, he, he's challenging... For the title, I always think early on it's it's almost like he can't be bothered to lose. He's like <laughs> he's like he's come this far. Okay, I'll, I'll play all out, but that is good enough to beat people. And and then obviously you know later in the event he's he's, da- he's a danger for anybody. Well, I think he just gets a little bit bored with things. I mean, if you remember, there was um, there was a, a series of matches where I'm just trying to think that some things that happened in the early rounds. One of the matches might have been against Dominic. Was it where he knocked the yeah the pot, the, trying to pot the black at a hundred miles an hour and the cue ball went off the table. Everything went off the table as I remember. Mm. Um, and there was the time when he was breaking off through the weaving the cue ball through the pink and hitting the other side of the bunch. He trying to yeah. new, new break off shots against players. And the one I remember was when he turned up with wearing the nail varnish as well. So basically, he just gets bored, doesn't he, in the early rounds? And if he's still in it by the sort of the Thursday or the Friday, he's got a chance. But it is remarkable because he, that he's been he's lost in all those finals. I mean, he lost in five last season. But one thing about Sullivan in his career, losing in finals was not something he'd made a habit of doing. But it started to creep in, isn't it? No, it's a good point. Yeah, and and against Selby in particular, the Scottish Open, he, he was well beaten. Of course, he was also involved in one of the most bizarre incidents, which was we had a pitch invader. In Barnsley, uh, the English Open, some woman appeared from from somewhere, and it was right at the end of the match. And to be fair, I thought actually he saved the day because he he handed her his cue, which not every player would have done. She attempted to pot the black. I think she might still be there now trying to pot it. Actually, get too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of thing. I guess only really happens to him. But it was just another kind of wrinkle on on the sort of uh, the sort of bizarre career he's had. I guess. <laughs> Very strange incident that, and there were players, you know, at the time who thought that was all set up. But, I mean, you'd have to have a strange mind to want to set it up in the first place. I don't mm. know anything about the, the lady involved, but she she was prepared to go out there and try and pot the ball. And it all seemed, it played out better than it could have done, put it that way. It actually was quite uh, quite fun. I remember the, the, the sort of security person who was following around. He was almost like sort of, you know, someone holding a bride's sort of dress at the back. He was just sort of like a shadow. Didn't didn't really step in. But anyway, Ronnie, I thought, saved the day there. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a minor point. So... Uh, so that's my second uh, in the list. What's your number two? Okay, well, Jordan Brown, which you mentioned earlier. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, 2020 Welsh Open. I mean, we, we'd had some dealings with Jordan at uh, the qualifiers the mm. year before. I hadn't met him previous to that. And I know that he, he has quite a big following. When he played in, in the first ever Home Nations, there was a huge roar from one of the outside tables and, and it was his match. And I hadn't seen him play before then, but his career hadn't really taken off. But in the Welsh Open, he was just brilliant all the way through. He always felt that one good win was going to be the end of it. When he beat Mark Selby in a quarterfinal, that was quite a quite a dramatic game and a long game. I thought, well, OK, you've done well. Now, Steve Maguire's a different story in the semi-finals. He played fantastic snooker against him. I think, OK, well, in the final, he played Ronnie. So that's they've done really well to get there. But um, he beat them all, you know, and he played absolutely tremendous snooker and it's hard not to to like him and hard not to be sort of delighted for what he achieved that week no very much so. i mean he had to win seven matches five were in deciders as you say selby in the quarterfinals i thought his best performance arguably was the semi against uh, steve mcguire and he's come out 
just one table, obviously, then yeah. at that point, biggest match of his career, made a one three five total clearance in frame one. So, I mean, that really said a lot about him, I think. The belief that he must have had, um, obviously, beating Ronnie in the final was an incredible way to, to end the week. A lot had been made of the fact, you know, he'd been working at the petrol station and all that, but it did underline what remarkable transformation it was. And although Jordan is not, you know, a 21-year-old, 20, he's a bit older, Actually, he'd only had a few seasons on the tour. He'd been on the tour. He dropped off for a long time. Lost a bit of interest, maybe, but then got it back. I think he realised it's now or ne never. I either re-sort of dedicate myself to the sport or I'm just not going to be part of it anymore. And what, what a turnaround. And what it's done as well, of course, is it's given a lot of other players now on the tour hope. They're looking at Jordan thinking, OK, he was world number whatever he was, 80-something. If he can do it, I can do it. So I think... It's a great result for the game. It's, you know, we don't get this very often, someone in that position coming through and winning a tournament, but he proved it can be done and it was no fluke. He beat some big, big names to do it. It was a great moment when he won because Ronnie must have been disappointed, but he took it really well. You know, he was mm. very magnanimous in defeat. I kind of added, I think, to the whole occasion. And uh, yeah, I mean, I could, I did not see that coming. And I've heard that, you know, I'd heard stories from Mark Allen, what brilliant player he is in practice and we kind of we hear about, about a lot of players but he, he put it all onto the match table and um, it was a special day I mean as I say we don't know particularly well I certainly don't but it's almost hard not to shed a little tear for what he'd come through and what he'd achieved so th that was a great performance and and it was no fluke on the day I mean he's done nothing of that kind since clearly but it, we know it's in there somewhere. It's amazing as well how your status in the game changes because two days later because he got in the players championship as a result so he's, I was in Milton Keynes, as, as you were, and I was at breakfast and he walked in and it's almost like the Beatles in New York. Everyone's like standing up. <laughs> People who would normally just have not paid any attention to him or going over to him. And actually Ronnie came in shortly after, called Jordan over to his table. Suddenly he's at the top table now. You know, that's the, that's the winner's table. Come and have breakfast with me. Let's have a chat about it all. As you say, Ronnie, very gracious about it. Yeah, lovely story. And I have to say this as well. A lot of people did say, well, would he have won it had there been a crowd? But I think that's unfair, personally. He won it on a level playing field. It was the same for everyone. No one said that about any of the other winners last season, the top players who won. You know, he won the title fair and square. You've got to pop the balls. It was These were the biggest matches of his life, and he stood up to it. So, you know, fair play to Jordan. Just a fantastic achievement. Yeah, completely agree with that. You know, and the, I mean, the, as I said earlier, the thing about Judd winning... The Northern Ireland three years in a row. There was no crowd for the third year of those. So, um, yeah, that's. I don't think he'll be too concerned about that. I mean, there's always there's always reasons why someone shouldn't win something, but probably in his case, some of them were those early matches which I'd forgotten about that he had all those tight matches to get there. So, yeah, great great performance. Really pleased for him. We're not schedulers, um, but I'm surprised actually. I think they've dropped the ball a little bit, um, Will Snooker this year because there's the the. the Previously at the Waterfront Hall in Belfast, there were two arenas. There's the main arena with three tables, and then there's a, there's a sort of back arena, which is a bit like the one in York. No one really, really wants to go in. Well, this year, they're just using the main one, so they're using three tables. But because of that, to fit all the matches in, they've had to put an extra session on Saturday night. Now, that would have been the perfect time to put Jordan Brown on. He would have brought a crowd, guaranteed, you know, his friends and family and locals to come and see him. Great way to launch the event. He's actually on table three on Sunday, the day that all the top players play. So his match is going to be swallowed up by that. So there may be a reason for it that I'm not aware of, but just seemed to me quite an obvious way to launch the event. They've not done that. I'm just not criticism, just saying I'm, I was a bit surprised. I think that would have been a good way to launch it because he is now a winner. You know, he's a tournament winner. He's going to be champion of champions and, you know, hoping to, to, to build on what he's done. That would have been 
I don't know. It would have been a nice way to start. But anyway, you will be playing on Sunday. But let's uh, now. I get the feeling, Neil, and we haven't we haven't conferred. But I get the feeling Belfast is going to feature in your number one. Would that be correct? Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> it's the 2016 uh, final. Yeah. Um, it, 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 to be honest, it's almost the whole week that I was thinking about that week actually. And okay, the final was quite something. We'll speak about it because it's. Uh, you and I have been lucky enough to work on a lot of snooker. That is, I think, that the, the most enjoyable match I've ever commentated on, actually, mm. the final, the, the, the King Hawkins final. Um, but the whole week, it was played in this huge tent. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> played in the Wolves Fund that year. And when, when we arrived there, I thought, well, look, what kind of place is this for snooker? It was all flapping in the wind and you could hear planes going over. There was noisy. But it seemed to work. I liked it there. There was a good atmosphere. I think the waterfront is better, don't get me wrong. But I thought it worked well. There was all sorts of happening that week. You know, we the semi-final, if you remember, Anthony Hamilton feathered the mm. cue ball when he had a chance yeah. of reaching a final. People said he'd never win anything now. And, of course, he ended up doing so soon after. There was Ronnie played uh, Jimmy in one of the early matches. It was just a great week. And the final, well, I mean, I know that you're, I'm guessing you picked it as well. Yeah. It, it had great moments and great presentation at the end, Mark King. Again, it was just a wonderful story. His family were there, except for his his father Bill, who, who long-suffering father had not seen days like that before. But he was watching it back home. It was just a brilliant event. Yeah, I mean, I think let's be honest. On the morning of the final, we weren't expecting Barry Hawkins against Mark King to be a classic. But I think it no. proved. I think it proved something I've long thought actually, which is that ultimately the real star is the game itself. Now, obviously, people have their favourite players, and there are genuine stars who do bring audiences. But if a match is close and good and has a storyline sort of attached to it, it doesn't really matter who's playing. And, and really, what I remember of the final was the last two frames. King leading 8-7, 20 behind with pink and black left, black over the pocket. And he's tried for about 10 minutes to put the pink over the top of the black and try and force Hawkins to pot it. And, you know, you think, this is almost like a waste of time, Mark. You're not, it's not going to happen. You can't possibly judge a shot that perfectly. Eventually, he got it. He got it nailed on. And Barry did knock the black in. Um, he actually Barry won that frame on a respot, so we went into a decider. But that just really ratcheted up the tension. I know Mark said after that frame he went out to the toilet, and I think he, one of his daughters was sort of doing cartwheels <laughs> down in the sort of corridor, or whatever. And that kind of calmed him down a little bit. It's almost like okay, there's, you know, this sort of big, bigger picture here. Came out, played a very good decider. And as you say, it wasn't just it wasn't just the nature of the victory; it's what it meant to him. He'd been on the tour 25 years. I think at the age of 42. You know, it seemed like his time may have passed. Um, he made that extraordinary speech, which was just totally unfiltered from the heart. You could tell he meant every word of it. Um, he had his family there. It was ironic, really, Bill wasn't there, because I think Bill had been to every match he'd played, basically, <laughs> apart from that week. He was too ill to travel, but obviously watching proudly on home. I think the point is you, you could just tell what it meant to him. It wasn't just the fact he won a tournament. It, was all the, it wasn't just the week. It was the 25 years that had been building up to it. Yeah, he, he couldn't believe it. He, one thing about Mark King, he's a very, very shrewd operator, very good match player. You know, he knows his way around the table. And that doesn't, it's an expression used in snooker, which doesn't mean a great deal. But <laughs> even that frame, the point, the point you were making about the black over the pocket, 20 behind, and you think, well, there's a, there's a wonder shot in here somewhere, and it's got to be a wonder shot. Th this sort of level, your opponent is not going to knock that black in, unless it's absolutely... There's no other shot. There's no other way you can avoid it. And that had been happening. But there, there's always a shot there somewhere which you can find. And he was looking for it and he got it. Now, I know he didn't win the frame. Like you say, had he won 9-7, uh, that would have been 
probably taken away the drama even more, but it was an incredible frame, incredible uh, evening. I think we shared some pizza. He bought some pizza for the crew afterwards in the hotel. We had a, a great celebration and uh, it was that first year and we'd had uh, Leanne Wenbo winning and then Mark King winning. Thinking, they, 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 you're going to see all sorts of guys, players that are very good, but not necessarily week in, week out winners lifting titles in this home nations, but it hasn't quite panned out that, that way until Jordan Brown, has it? There's been so many great players in between, but that still sticks in my mind. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah, I was nervous commentating on it, completely impartial. I didn't mind who won. It was one of those matches. No, I mean, it was extraordinary. And and, and I think, you know, we, we joke about this thing about people saying no characters in the game. It just underlines how many characters there are and how many stories there are. And I know Mark, he told me, he's watched it back many times. Why wouldn't you? You know, he's just so proud. It wasn't just winning. It's not just about the winning. It's about having his family there. They've been with him on this road all these years. You know, he's always been a player, Mark. You know, he's, he's a bit of a character, but he's, he's someone who's always turned up. He's always turned up and played. He's given his best. He's had a lot of knocks and disappointments over the years. He got in the top 16. He got in a couple of finals. By this point, 2016, his career was starting to go the other way. So... It's not something anyone really would have predicted at the start of the week, but it showed tremendous heart. And yeah, it, it just, you know, we, we love to see the top players doing well because they sort of carry the sport. But these sort of stories, as with Jordan Brown, I think that people relate to them on a more human level. You can see the person. I know Colin Murray, uh, who presented for Eurosport, wrote a big piece in the Metro about it. He was really taken with it. Quite a special uh, moment. And like you say, you know, one of the great matches I think we've had the, the privilege to, to commentate on, just to be there ringside and watch it all unfold, a good crowd in as well. Just just terrific. Yeah, it was it was a great event, and, and that was a great uh, conclusion to it. I just remembered, actually, that there was a pretty fiery match in the quarterfinals. I know we're <laughs> going, I'm going back a little bit there, mm. where he played Hossein Bafai. Yeah. And I tell you what, that, that, was a, that is as hard a, a snooker match as I've seen. And they were both... Um, they were both giving each other a little bit of a few things to think about as well off the table. You know, they weren't squaring up for a fight or anything, but they were playing as hard as you can. And uh, there was all sorts happening. But, you know, that's that's what you have to be at this level. You know, I think a lot of players who haven't maybe quite got the gift and Mark, Mark King is a very good player, but you've got to make the best of what everything that you've got to win. And, you know, he, he's a very streetwise guy uh, who can play great snooker. And uh, I mean, that it, as you say, it gives heart to other players on the tour. I mean, I think of, I think of Michael Holt winning the shootout, which of course mm. is not what we're speaking about now. But I can remember the breakfast table the next day in Southport yeah. when uh, we were at the, um, the the next event of which he qualified for. And it's the same story. You know, all of a sudden these people who have been good players for years and won anything become the centre of attention and quite deservedly. Yeah, I, I remember that King. Uh, the fire match more needle than a vaccination centre in that one but anyway um, so, <laughs> that's, that's what so, I'm getting at yeah I'm not, I'm not surprised we've had the same we didn't confer but I'm not surprised uh, that we've got the same number one that, that is a, a standout memory Will Snooker put the, the footage up last week again actually I watched it again and it, yeah it, it still is uh, sort of goose pimple stuff so that's that's our countdown I'm sure people have a lot of other memories as well they can, they can contact us to tell them about them but looking ahead to, to this year's series I think what's interesting, Neil, about the, the Northern Ireland is the top players haven't played for weeks, have they? There's been qualifying. So some of the, the qualifiers obviously have had matches to play. Um, everyone else, it's been basically the British Open and quite a few of them bad out early there. So it almost feels like the season is sort of starting again, which potentially means, potentially means we could have another surprise winner, maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we had we had snooker in August, which uh, we haven't had in this country. Certainly, if we've had it before, it's not been for many, many years. And, and when we're saying snooker, I'm talking about a big event. I know there's been events in China in the past, in Asia. Um, so we had snooker in August, which was earlier than usual. And now we're kind of resuming the season later, aren't we, into, into October, September, just with a, a few qualifiers. So it's been a bit odd. I mean, it's nobody's fault. We understand the reasons why. Um, but... Um, you're right. It could be that some of the top players are vulnerable. They're playing the, the extra match because a lot of the matches have already been played, which, I mean, that does sort of refine the home nations a little bit, haven't they, from that? Because there were a lot of matches in on outside tables that would have only meant anything to the players involved. I'm not taking anything away from them, but, you know, it, it just works out that things are a little bit different. And perhaps the top players are vulnerable. I don't know what they've all been doing. I guess they've all been practising uh, quite a bit, but... Uh, We'll see how this this early season goes. Obviously, nor, normally the Northern Ireland isn't the first event either, so it's uh, it, we'll have to wait and see. But I suspect you're going to get the same sort of players doing well. Yeah, I agree, and I think that definitely the fact we're back in arenas, I'm sure they've sold a lot of tickets because Belfast is a, a snooker stronghold. People, I'm sure, are delighted to be going back to watch. So that that is a factor, I think, and the fact they're all in the same arena now it's more a level playing field. I'm looking forward to it. We start uh, the Eurosport coverage on Sunday. So it's live on Eurosport Sunday afternoon and evening. Uh, in the week, it's on Quest in the afternoons, I believe, as well. It's a free-to-air channel in the UK. And uh, in various other parts of the world, it's on Matchroom Live and, and lots of other platforms as well, Chinese television and so on. So uh, probably the most eagerly anticipated Northern Ireland Open, purely because it's been, I think, seven weeks since the last tournament. Obviously, Judd Trump went to America to play pool. Mark Selby's been playing eight-ball pool but it's back to business uh, for everybody. And this does start uh, mark the start now of the season proper because tournaments will come thick and fast into Christmas and beyond right into the World Championship. Um, in terms of the season ahead, Neil, uh, who who could be the next Jordan Brown, do we think? I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I suppose you could just stick a pin in the, in the ranking list, but I, I guess he wasn't tipped necessarily last year, so it's hard to choose someone. But is there anyone you maybe feel we should keep an eye on? Well, I've done a couple of things on this, um, one in the World Snooker. I, I did say Hossein Vafai might start mm. doing a little bit better than his ranking, but, I mean, he's just a name, one of a, a number that could start to win, only because I think he's a very good player, hard match player, and we've had all the discussions about him and the, there's a theory going around that he doesn't play his best snooker on the, uh, on TV, which may be true, but he, usually when you're a middle-ranked player playing on TV, you're playing someone who's very good player that might be one of the reasons for it I think he's I think he's good enough um and he's he's quite young isn't he I know he doesn't necessarily look, look as young as some of the other players you know of his age but uh, you know he, he he is a player that's coming through I'm still looking for a, sort of a new wave of players you know you're um, um the, the lad from Ireland the Aaron uh, can't think of his surname Aaron Hill lost. Aaron Hill yeah he, he's the sort of player I'd like to see coming through but uh for now, I think that there's a few of the players of that ilk, you know, Jackson Page, who recently beat him, but they've still got a bit of learning to do. Yeah, there's a great series, actually, Will Snook have done, which Alan, our friend Alan McManus, has narrated. Um, make or break, check it out on YouTube. And they're following a, a group of young players, including Aaron Hill, Jackson Page, Oliver Lyons as well, actually. Now, he's qualified for all three Home Nations events. He seems to have turned a corner. The next step, though, of course, is to do it at the venue against a top player. If you can start beating them, then... You know, he's heading for the big time, but easier said than done. Wu Yizer as well, young Chinese player. Um, I know Alan particularly rates him. There's a lot of opportunities there, but, you know, it's getting the results. It's doing what Jordan Brown did. It's not just beating one top player 
he's beating a series of them, and that is that is really easier said than done. But anyway, we will uh, we will be following all the action, as I say, on Eurosport and the Eurosport app. I believe Saturday night so there's one very anonymous session, but it is on the Eurosport app, I believe, so we can tune in for that. But the main coverage, all the big hitters, start on Sunday. Neil, thank you for your uh, for your reminiscences, and there'll be many more memories hopefully over the next uh, over the next five years. Very much so, yeah. A pleasure, Dave. Look forward to the next uh, few seasons of it. And uh, just to say, as we conclude, that we're proud members of the Sports Social Network. So do check out their other podcasts. Got, whatever sport you're into, there'll be a podcast for you, um, including hopefully snooker. Um, and you can email us, snookerscenepodcast at mail.com. That's snookerscenepodcast at mail.com. Gerald Ford, when he was inaugurated as, uh, as president of the USA, he said, our long national nightmare is finally over. Now, he was talking about Watergate. I'm talking about the drought that we've had in the snooker world since the British Open. The next tournament starts finally at the weekend. We're all looking forward to it. But uh, for now, from Neil and myself, thanks for listening and goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply